Since the beginning of the church, persecution has been part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Bible tells us that all who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Today, an estimated 360 million Christians are living under severe religious restriction. On this podcast, we share their stories. And we answer the question, how can American Christians live as Christ in an increasingly hostile culture? The way of the persecuted is the harder way. And this is the Harder Way Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. I'm Scott. And I'm Maddie, and welcome to the Harder Way Podcast. Well, Maddie, what are we going to talk about on the Harder Way Podcast for this week? Well, in this week's episode, we are going to talk about a wee little man. Oh. Do you know who I'm talking about when I say that? That guy on the te- uh, that was on the movie Elf, the, the short... No, no, no. No, um, well, he's in the Bible. Oh, he... Is there anybody you can think of in the Bible who's mentioned specifically as being short? David? Mm, Try New Testament. Oh, uh, Zacchaeus. Yes. He was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Should be a song about that. There there should be. As a matter of fact, I think there is. And I think that's why I described him that way, actually. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But yes, today we are going to talk about Zacchaeus, and I think we should really look at what people can learn about the harder way from his story and the way that he interacted with Jesus. Okay. So I thought maybe we could go ahead and well, read should, it for our listeners. Read it to me and uh, tell our listeners where they can follow along. How's that sound? Yes. Yeah, so I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It says, Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I shall restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Wow. You know, not everybody knows this, but tax collectors were typically quite wealthy. It was a pretty prestigious job mm. uh, because at least as far as the world is concerned, your, your own people, or those are the ones you were taxing, they didn't like you at all. Yes. And tax collectors, they didn't get paid for their work. They had to, They took a little extra for themselves. Mm. So they were probably purposefully kind of charging people more than what they actually owed so that they could take for themselves. Yeah, and Zacchaeus, if he was a, if he was like a top the guy. The thief tax collector. That means that he was probably getting kickbacks from everybody all the way up. That's probably why he was so wealthy. Mm. I'm just guessing. So his, his money was likely made in a dishonest way. Ill-gotten gains. Ill-gotten gains. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I guess it would be accurate when Jesus says, 
when the people were saying Jesus is going to the house of someone who is a sinner, he definitely was kind of looked down upon as being a sinner because of the fact that he was dishonest and being a tax collector and being that successful at it. You know, you kind of say, well, you can't get up that high in the ranks of the tax collecting unless you're well, you know, it's like in ministry. Doing that. I can't tell you how many times I've had really talented people who clearly have like a call on their life to, um, to be an evangelist. And then they get some great high paying sales job mm. and uh, and they're, they're like, well, maybe I'll, I'll use my high-paying sales job to tell people about Jesus. Uh, it's okay if you do it, but you're not going to do it. We both know that. Um, but uh, I, I look at someone like Zacchaeus, and I see you know they have the choice, make a living in a way that your community and your culture honors or respects, or choose wealth, guaranteed wealth, in, in a way that your community rejects. And uh, we have that conundrum a lot even in the church today. So I don't sit in judgment of Zacchaeus. I just know that he, the influence of the world was greater on him than the influence of his Jewish faith. And he... Mm. Well, I, I think he was probably doing what a lot of people do and what a lot of people have done because I think it goes back to something we've talked about a lot on this podcast, which is the idol of security. Yeah. Right. And so if you are really seeking after financial security and that's truly the most important thing to you, how far are you willing to go to get that? Right. And how can, and how many things can you justify? Hmm. Right. Yeah. What what can you what lines can you cross? What boundaries can you break through? What taboos can you um, engage in in order to get what you perceive as security? Wow. Yeah. Honestly, probably a question we should all ask ourselves. We really should, because and that that really comes back to one of our core principles, which is, you know, faith over fear and then discovering your fears right by challenging yourself by ch and by and by denying yourself your securities so it seems like if we're looking at this story Zacchaeus actually did exactly that because after his encounter with Christ he gave half of his money to the poor yeah. so half of his security he gave to the poor and then what was left that other half was also part of that was going to go to the people that he had wrongfully taken money from. And we have no idea how much of that other half would have been made up by that because he said anyone that he had taken money from wrongfully, he was going to restore that money back to them fourfold. So four times the amount that he took from them, he was going to give back to them. Faith is a funny thing because when you have a real faith, a faith that is an act of your will and it is and it is alive in your mind it's alive in your heart it's alive in you it will lead you to do things that you never thought you would do such as give half of your money half of your security to the poor and then pay back people four times what you've taken from them uh wrongly mm -hmm. who knows if he had would have had anything left yeah. But you know, people in his family were probably calling him crazy. What's wrong with you? You're giving all of your money away. And honestly, I think the fact that 
he obtained that money through, as you said earlier, ill-gotten gains, almost would have made people probably judge him more because they would be saying, look at everything you went through to get this money and all of the shame from your community that you went through to get this money. You dealt with people judging you and you dealt with kind of going against your culture, really kind of going against your own people because the tax collectors were really kind of friendly, higher up, more with the Romans, honestly, um, and their own Jewish people did not like them. Right. So you went through all of that, and then now you're just going to give all of that money away. Something so, major has happened. Right, because you're thinking, so what? You did all of this for nothing? Right. You have to have been had a transformative experience. Mm -hmm. has to. And I would say, to, you know, in my own life, looking at your life, uh, thinking of people I've known, <clears throat> you... If you have an encounter with the risen Christ and you come to the understanding of what he's done for you, you will be changed and you will do things you never thought you would do. I never thought I would take Bibles to the persecuted church at great risk to myself. Yeah. I'm a play it safe kind of guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was a little kid, my poor little brother, we were at uh, a place called Liberty Land in Memphis, Tennessee. And that sounds like the name of a place in Tennessee. Right, right, right. <laughs> and they had a roller coaster called the Revolution. Mm -hmm. And I think I was maybe 10. Uh, so that would have made him about eight. And I was too scared to go on the Revolution. So I made him go on it first to make sure it was safe. Wow, so you made him the sacrificial I lamb. Mean, I mean, he was he was more than willing. Yeah, I'm sure he really wanted to go but, on a roller coaster. He's a kid. But, but that's how much of a kind of play it safe guy I usually am. By nature. By nature. And when yeah. I don't play it safe, I usually get break something or get injured or walk with a limp for the rest of my life. Yeah. So. And so, just so everyone is aware, my uncle did, in fact, live. He didn't die on the Revolution roller coaster. Oh, yeah, that's a detail. Just so you all know. And, in fact, he's probably listening to this podcast right now. So, hello. Maybe. Hope, <laughs> yeah, don't crash your car. So, you know, um, yeah, I think that uh, when, you have a, when you have an encounter with Christ, a real encounter, and you really realize what he's done, you are really transformed. I remember my very first, uh, the moment when I really grasped i think for the first time what jesus has done for me i was in bible college and uh i was in uh, uh my uh, professor what he turned into a, a mentor in many ways i was in his class and uh it was the book of romans and we'd really spent a lot of time on the first three chapters and really what paul's doing in the first three chapters of romans is he's pointing out there's nobody in any group anywhere who's without excuse. Mm. And we are all equally, and that doesn't matter, Jew, Gentile, whatever. We are all equally condemned by our own minds, by our own hearts, mm -hmm. by our own actions. We are so far beyond salvation yeah, that only God could come and do it for us. That even the quote-unquote best of people you know, the most good of people is so far away from ever being able to do anything to earn their salvation. Right. 
Right. That's really the great equalizer, isn't it? The sin nature and our need of salvation that the person that we see that we think, oh, we're so much better than them. Because let's just let's just be honest, right? Every Finally. single <laughs> Yeah, we've been saying this whole time. Every single person who's listening to this podcast, the two hosts of this podcast, at some point or another, and for some people, maybe more often than not, have looked at another person in their life or that they've seen in the world or seen on television and said, I'm better than that person. Mm -hmm. Or even if not in that specific verbiage, at least I'm not as bad as that person. Or I'm more deserving than that person. Mm -hmm. Or um, why is that person in this great situation? And here I am, mm -hmm. you know, I'm so much more faithful in my small situation yep. than they are. Be, you know, we can't do the comparison game. Wow, that'll get you off the harder way fast. Oh, really, start, really fast. We start comparing ourselves one to another. We have to compare our make two comparisons. I've probably said this before, but you know this. Compare ourselves to Jesus, in which case we're the worst human being to ever live. And we compare ourselves, ourselves to ourselves. To ourselves, <laughs> in, in which case we're amazing. Yep. Look how much better I am for, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so the growth. The growth, exactly. So um, and I think in Zacchaeus's world. He was, in his own eyes, was probably pretty great. I've got my security. Mm -hmm. I'm comparing myself to others. And as far as I'm concerned, I may not be taller than them, but I am wealthier than them. And Significantly. I have, and, and money usually equals power. Mm -hmm. And it usually equals some kind of worldly security. So he was pretty okay. And he would have had status and pull with the people that were in power. Right. Because we talked about the fact that the Jews would have had problems with them. You know, it's kind of like, I guess a way to maybe explain it to people would be that the tax collectors were seen as sort of like the people that were crossing the picket line. Yeah. Right. They were like the scabs, right. you know, in the union <laughs> parlance. Yeah. Um, and so the, the Jewish people would have been not so fond, but they didn't really have any power or influence in that culture. No. But the Romans, who were ultimately kind of in charge of everything, they actually had respect for the tax collectors because they were on their side. And so as a tax collector, you had wealth, you had security, you know, and that would have come with some sort of power and influence because if you have the ability, right, to take people's money, take more or less, you kind of have a way to get people to do things for you. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, if you just do X, Y, Z for me, I can make sure that I don't take as much from yours or, you know, that kind of thing. And then also the influence and the relationships that would have come with the higher ups in the Roman group who actually would have been able to make decisions. And well, and as a person with money and power, you get Oprah. Mm. You know, and oh, and this is uh, this is one of the sad things that I that I've observed in her and in many other people of power or wealth, even pastors of churches. So, you know, we're not exempt. Uh, the Christian leaders not exempt. You get to a place to where people don't tell you the truth anymore. Mm. You know, they won't. They won't. Uh, they won't call you out. They won't call you out on your baloney. So when you say something like, "Well," You know, I manifested this wealth, these billions of dollars I have because I just, you know, visualized it and thought of it and the God within me, you know, manifested it. And then, and that's, just, this is like new age stuff yeah, I'm yeah. saying. And the there's secret. no one around you just to grab you by the neck and slap you and go, wake up, what's wrong with you? 
You know, you need a friend that'll tell you the mm -hmm. truth. Better the blows of a friend than the kisses of an, of an enemy. enemy. And all the people surrounding you who may have been your friends before now act like enemies. Yeah. They don't tell you the truth. Pastors struggle with the same thing. I always tell young pastors I'm training when you go to someone's house, um, uh, a lot of times they'll put their Bible out in a prominent place. Maybe not so much anymore because we all have Bibles on our phones. But when I was a young pastor, I'd go to someone's house, that Bible would show up. And if they're smart, they take the time to brush the dust off of it. But I'd always pick it up and I would bend it. Oh, do the pages crack? Because there's gilding on the edges. And if that Bible hasn't been opened, those pages will be stuck together and they'll crack when you bend the Bible. Uh, if it's soft cover Bible. Yeah. And uh, that was a very telling moment. You haven't been. Well, your no, Bible cracks. Yeah. You're on a bad road. You're people. on a bad track. <laughs> well, well, yeah. 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 If your Bible's got a, if your Bible, don't, if your Bible cracks, then you got on a bad track. Yeah. That's a good right. Not, yeah. not being spent and not, well, that's a great transition. You're not spending time with Jesus because mm -hmm. he, he is the living word. You're not spending time with him through his word. And so you're not experiencing the transformation. The transformation. You know, I thought it was really interesting. Something that you said that I wanted to do tell back to. You're like, wow, something I said was, was good. <laughs> tell me, tell me. Remind me, write it down. You were talking about how when you get into a place where you're choosing faith over fear, you can be transformed into a person that you didn't think that you would ever become. You can do things you never thought that you would ever do. Right. And Here's something that I think is a really important note is that it's also the same with fear. Mm. And so I think that when you have the option to choose faith or fear, when you go into it, you have to know that no matter what, no matter which direction I choose, I've got to the fork in the road, I can go left and, cho and choose fear or I can go right and choose faith. No matter which way I go, I am going to be transformed into someone that I might not necessarily recognize. Oh, so we, we are all parents of our future selves and our choices make mm -hmm. a great impact on who we become. Yeah. So when you meet those, those senior saints, those, those generals in the Lord's army in their, in their walkers and, and, you know, you know, sitting in the corner praying during the church service for the pastor and things like that. Mm -hmm. You meet those senior saints and you, you want to have what they have. You want that faith. You want the joy. Uh, you want the peace that passes understanding. You want what they have. It's a lifetime of choices, of faith choices. They get you to it that gets point. you there. A lifetime of abiding in Christ by faith. And so you really have to ask yourself, if I am going to become someone new, if I am going to be transformed, what kind of a person do I want to be transformed into? Do I want to be transformed into the image and likeness of Christ? Or do I want to be transformed into the image and likeness of the world? Right. Because you're going to be changed. You are. Nobody makes it through this world without being changed. Well, I think it was the Greek philosopher Hermocletus that, and I, and I, I hope I don't mess this up too badly, but basically he compared a man to a river. Mm. And he said, basically, you can never cross the same river twice. I think it was Disney's Pocahontas who said that. I really can't. Oh, she... <laughs> I'm sure. I know. I'm sorry. Did she say that? No, in, this, in a song, in the Disney movie Pocahontas, she says, what I like most about rivers is you can't step in the same river twice. The water's always changing, always flowing. And I think, and I think Herman Cletus said that a couple thousand years earlier. 
Wow. But Disney, pay some royalties to the descendants oh, of uh, the Greek philosophers. Well, you know, the, the thing is, is that we're not the same person. You know, our body, every molecule in our body is changed out is every, every yes. couple of years. That's such a so weird thought, So you're physically not true. the same person. And you're assembled the same way because of the building constructions. Every molecule in you is new uh, or, or somebody else's, you know, in you. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and, and it, as a person, you're not the same. From, from day to day, we're not, I'm a different person than I was yesterday. Maybe not in a major way. Maybe mm -hmm. the stream's flowing slowly yeah. instead of quickly, but I'm different. So are you. I can, I can, you know, testify to that, that you're different day to day, but your medication will level you out. Oh. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. A joke. That's a joke. Yeah. Um, the meds don't work. No. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. And so I think uh, with Zacchaeus, here he is, he makes this massive choice. And some of our choices are huge. You know, there's some, I think that we don't realize is that a lot of our choices you know, you make choices every day. I make choices every day. And they're little tiny ones. Maybe it's a simple choice to be thankful for a rainy day. Mm. You know, you I, I was re, uh, reading about this uh, earlier in an old an old book, and and uh, the the author was saying, you know, you you go outside in the morning on a sunny day, and you thank the Lord for the birds singing and the sun in the sky. But the next day, it's rainy and foggy, and you don't think, or, or it's foggy and, and overcast and cold, and you don't thank Him. Hmm. Well, the, the only thankful for the sunny days. We're only thankful for the things we like. Yeah. You know, right. But it's those little tiny choices. I'm going to be thankful for the weather I don't like. I mean, tomorrow it's going to be what six below zero. Yes. I don't. I'm not looking forward to that. But I'm going to thank the Lord for it. I'm going to thank Him for it anyway. And uh, um, because I think that uh, this is little tiny choices. The choice to be thankful. Those little tiny choices of faith. In the little small ways, they add up, and they prepare us for the big moments when persecution comes. Well, when religious restriction comes in a major way, and the, and they say you can't go to church, you can't share your faith, you can't minister to your kids, mm -hmm. you can't whatever, and they place these limitations on us. Then we can say, hey, no, I, I want to be a go along to get along kind of guy. I want to not cause waves in my culture. You know, but I have to obey the Lord first. And I'm not afraid of you. Um, I have the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. And so I'm going to choose to have faith in him rather than faith in you. Which I think goes back to that marathon example that we've used so many times on this podcast, which is that if you want to be able to run a marathon, you don't just decide I'm going to go run a marathon and run a marathon. Yeah, maybe one in and maybe one in 20 million people can do that. Right. Right. Yeah. It's it's all of the decisions beforehand to say I'm going to I'm going to just start going for jogs. And okay, I'm going to start going for longer jogs. And now I'm going to start running and I'm going to start going for longer runs and expanding and expanding, continuing to grow and train in your skill set to where you can go and say, I think I'd like to run a marathon. And then you're able to run a marathon because you've trained for the marathon by training yourself to run long distances. Right. And so it's the same thing. We have to learn to make those tiny choices now 
in preparation for those big choices. And sometimes the big choices come as a result of religious restriction, right? You're you're given the choice between following Jesus or having a safe, comfortable, good life. Or just a life. Or a life, <laughs> right? If we want to take it to the, to the extreme example that yeah. is a very real example for Christians around the world. But sometimes it's also just making a big choice to say yes to God, right? Just a choice, a big choice of obedience. Like if God is really pulling you to move to a certain place or to quit your job or to start a ministry or to write a book or, you know, to, to get married to a particular person or not to get married to that person, right? Big life decisions. If you want to be able to choose faith over fear in your big life decisions, you have to be able to do it in those small ways throughout your life leading up to that. Because otherwise, expecting yourself to be able to just go from consistently choosing fear every day, all the time, to, wow, this big decision is now in front of me. I'm going to change it up. Let's mix it up a little bit. I'm going to choose faith in this huge thing. You know, we have a... We have a, a to one thing we should acknowledge too, and that is the sovereignty of God. Ah, yes. Because there was something in Zacchaeus that drew him to Jesus. He was searching for him, right? Yeah. And he and then he put himself in a position to see him. That's huge, right? There's a there's definitely a lesson there for all of us. And then he had an encounter with him and was like, oh, okay. Now I'm changed, and I'm going to live out that change. Right. So we we always talk about faith having an intellectual, emotional, volitional aspect, um, and that's in that volitional aspect. He, you know, Zacchaeus didn't just—that's the evidence of his real encounter. He mm-hmm. didn't just say, "I'm changed, Hallelujah, I'm, everything's so great." Oh, I'm going to be a good man from now on out. He did it. Mm-hmm. He did it, and. I think there's something there, though, going back to that sovereignty uh, piece, is that there's something, the Lord did something in his heart to draw him, to make him hunger and want for Jesus. And I want to, I think I really want to, you know, we talk a lot about choosing faith over fear. But there's an act of the will that I think precedes this. And that is the statement that says, okay, Lord, you save me. I believe you. I believe your word. I believe I am who you say I am. I believe I have what you say I have, and I believe I'm going to do what you say I'm going to do. I'm going to be your witnesses from Judea, you know, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I'm going to, right. as I'm going through life, I'm going to make disciples. That's you told me I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be your ambassador, you know. Um, and so there's that point of saying, okay, Lord. I don't feel like any of those things. Yeah. My emotions tell me no. My emotions, my emotions might even tell me I'm not a Christian. I'm not saved. They might, I might constantly be asking, am I really saved? Am I really saved? Yeah. But the, you know, Romans 10, 9 and 10 tells us, you know, if, if we, you know, believe and confess, that believe that Jesus is Lord and we, 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 and we, and we confess that he's Lord, then we're saved. It's really that simple. And I think that's what can make it difficult at times is it feels like it's something that we should have to earn. 
It's like when somebody yes. does something so amazing for you and you're just like, how can I pay you back? How can I pay you back? Let me do something for you. And the person's like, no, I, this is just a pure gift from my heart to you. I don't need or want anything in return. And you're like crawling out of your skin being like, they can't. I got to give you something. I got to give you something. You can't just do this for me. Yeah, I remember uh, I was in uh, Cuba and uh, there was this old pastor. Uh, his name was Rigoberto. And uh, any Christian in uh, any, especially the Baptist uh, movement in, in Cuba, if you mention the name of Rigoberto, they're like, oh yeah, he's one of our heroes. Okay, he's a big deal. It was a big deal. Not as a in pro prominence, but a big deal in his faith, mm. his faithfulness to God. He was in prison for his faith, you know, in yeah. the 60s and stuff. So, uh, and just a really, one of those people you're around and you're like, wow, I see Jesus. Mm. So I met him in 2001. It was our first meeting. And um, I was the one of the very first pastors with, you know, to take Bibles in as a Bible courier into, into Cuba. They had so few, uh, still do. And he had a, some pesos, a peso, uh, I forget if it was a $10, 10 peso bill, I believe. And it was from when Bautista was the president before Castro. It was his most prized possession. And a lot of people had asked him for it. Could I have it? You know, try to buy it from him. Well, it'd be a very valuable, not even just sentimental artifact, but historical artifact. Yeah, I guess. And uh, he went and he showed it to me and I looked at it and I told him how nice it was. I already heard about this thing and I handed it back to him and told him, wow, that's very nice. And he handed it back to me and said, no, regalo. Es un regalo para ti. It's a gift for you. I was like, what? That's a gift for you. And I knew how precious this was to him. And I knew that he was giving me like, as far as material things, like his like most precious thing he had. Wow. And you're thinking, we just met. I don't deserve this. But I couldn't receive it as a, I reached into my pants. I pulled out my brand new leather wallet. Yeah. Which something he could, would never be able to get in Cuba at that time. Took my uh, pictures and stuff out of it. There was no money in it, but, you know, if I, or, or I would have left it. But I took my pictures out of it, and I gave it to him as a gift. Hmm. He received it very graciously and was very thankful for it. He's like, oh, que rico, you know, how yeah. fancy. This is, ooh, I'm a big deal now, kind of, yeah. you know. But, um, yeah, I, I in retrospect, I wish I hadn't given any anything. I wish I just would have been able to receive it if I could go yeah. back and do it over. Um, but I can't. Yeah, just but, to give the I person think the, the point, blessing though, of is giving. With, with salvation is just receive it and just believe it. If you if you really believe Jesus, you know, rose from the dead, and you really confess that He's the Lord, then believe you're saved, and yeah. and then believe that you're gonna that you have joy, and that you have peace, and that you have patience, and and then believe that your really only work is faith. And so and the only thing you're supposed to your good work is faith. And so just keep exercising your faith and keep trusting the Lord to grow you in faith because he, he, he is the one that grows us. Yeah. We show up and we, and we try to make choices to grow, but he's even behind the ability to make the choice. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, it's his, back to the sovereignty of God piece. I yeah. Think. He's so sovereign. So Zacchaeus, I think the Lord intervened in his heart in some way and he 
hungered for Jesus, went to Jesus, had an encounter with Jesus, and made a radical turn in his life of faith. And we don't know what happened to him. But I like to believe he'll be in heaven and we can talk to him. Well, I think I think we can safely say that he will be because Jesus himself said, today salvation has come to this house. So if you ever want to chat with him, become saved. Uh, <laughs> I'll be like, oh, I didn't see you down there. Sorry, bro. <laughs> oh, the short jokes, really? <laughs> He's like, I've had, been having to deal with these for all eternity. He's like, okay, um, <laughs> Peter's been making short jokes for the last 2,000 years, and now this guy? That does seem like something Peter would do. He seems yeah. more of the sarcastic type, I would assume. Yeah, I, I vibe with him. Yeah. I want to be a Paul, but I'm a Peter. Mm. I'm just saying it. I'm just going to be honest about it. I'm going to be honest about it. I want to be a Paul so bad. I'm a Peter. There's no, there's no question about it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Well, I think we all can take a lesson from Zacchaeus and really looking to be transformed by Jesus, to have a real encounter with him and to be able to be changed by him, to be changed into somebody that we didn't think that we would ever be able to become because we know that whether we choose the way of fear or the way of faith, we're going to be changed and we're do always becoming. We're all always becoming. And so do we want to be becoming more like the world or do we want to be becoming more like Jesus? And that's a question we have to ask ourselves every day. Well, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you're in our, you've called us to you and you're changing our hearts and you're making us more like you every day. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for the mistakes we've made because even those are a part of, uh, where we're at now and they were part of leading us to you and uh, we thank you lord for uh, our salvation and we ask we we ask lord that you would help us to not just believe but live the truths of your word amen amen okay well listen if you want to support the hardaway podcast or you want to give to our bible um, uh, training ministry or our bible delivery ministry um, there are links to uh, support those in the show notes. Uh, most importantly, pray for us. Pray for the Hardaway Podcast. Pray for our Bible couriers who will be taking Bibles into persecuted Christians in the next couple of months. Um, and uh, and pray for uh, uh, our Bible training ministry uh, that we would uh, continue to do a good job and uh, really uh, the, that our students would grow and change and become more like Jesus as well and that they would uh, that, the, that the effect of the ministry would just ripple out uh, and uh, touch lots of people for the kingdom. Thank you for listening to the Harder Way podcast. If you were encouraged by this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving us a review. To be the first to know when we publish new episodes, subscribe to the Harder Way podcast on your favorite platform. Until next time, remember the words of Christ. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.